This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'd, I'll, I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Going with Chris Trevor, the Hills Racing 47 net. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to another edition of Horsepower Happenings. We are gearing up for race week, which means it is a beautiful Monday night, of course, right before our next round of Snowmageddon. But, hey, we'll take the good with the bad. Let's get into some great things happening tonight. Start with our Motor City Minute. Three more historic names were enshrined in the NASCAR Hall of Fame on Friday night. 2003 NASCAR Cup Series champion Matt Kenseth, four-time Cup Series champion crew chief Kirk Shelmerdine, and Herschel McGriff a 34-time Arkham Menards West Series winner and the oldest driver to race in a NASCAR-sanctioned event at the age of 90 in 2018 were all put into the Hall of Fame on Friday. NASCAR Vice Chairman Mike Helton was also honored with the landmark award for outstanding contributions to NASCAR. Berlin Raceway held their banquet over the weekend. Johnny Benson Jr. and Bill... Meiselweck, I believe is how you say that last name. If not, I'm sorry. They were inducted into the Raceways Hall of Fame. Bob Seneker and Tim DeVos were honored with the help of NASCAR Hall of Famer Mark Martin. Seven champions were honored, including super late model champ Evan Schottko and limited late model champ Tim DeVos. And uh, there was some star power to be held at that Berlin Raceway banquet as well uh, by the likes, of course, of Mark Martin. Eric Jones was there and others in attendance. Devin Moran came out of the gate swinging in his new venture with Double Down Motorsports. The Dresden, Ohio driver won the World of Outlaws case construction equipment opener on Friday night before grabbing another win on Saturday. Sunday's finale was lost to Mother Nature. And the Top Gun Sprint Car Series highlights the first wing sprint car action of the new year. Steve Diamond Jr. grabbed the first two wins of the Winter Nationals at East Bay Raceway Park before Justin Webster found his way to victory lane. Saturday, uh, or excuse me, Sunday was lost due to weather. East Bay Action returns Wednesday with the 604 Crate Late Models. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way after a very nice weekend. Anytime you see Rich get all done up and the hair slicked back and the jacket on, you know it's been a good weekend. Welcome in, my friend. Well, I don't know about all the hair slicked back. There was just enough to keep me from blinding people with my bald head, I think. <laughs> That's about it. But uh, no, no, I got to, got to dress up uh, for the third time in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Kick, kick, kick my two-week plan off uh, with the uh, Champion Racing Association banquet and then went to Great Lakes Super Sprints or Great Lakes Family, I guess, for all their sprint car banquet. And then uh, wrapped it up with a, with a bunch with a big fun this weekend at the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club banquet. Yeah, I was uh, I you know I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. John Jackson sent me a message. I drug my feet and just did not get tickets. And then they posted and they it. Sold and out. then they sold out. And I thought, well, shoot, I guess I'm not going to the banquet tonight. <laughs> uh, but uh, you were there. 
what a banquet this year. Uh, man, oh, man. I heard it went well into the evening with so many people being recognized and honored. Yeah, that you could say that um, for sure. But, uh, you know, a great time was had by all on Saturday night, Zach, at, at Zaccaro's Banquet Center in Chesterfield. Uh, like we said, the event was a sellout with over 400 guests on hand. Uh, the major award winners for the night, uh, Michigan's own Tim Fidoa received the President's Award. Uh, Eddie Sachs Lifetime Achievement Award went to Pancho Carter. The Motorsports Media Award, our friend Melinda Russell, she was so happy, so surprised about it. Uh, the Vito LaPiccolo Contribution to Motorsports Awards, pretty cool with me. Rick Eshelman and Jim Cavallaro were honored. And then a Special Achievement Award, Leo Capaldi, along with the plaques to champions from member tracks, all the kids, Zach, if you remember. Um, it was just cool watching them walk up with their speeches and and five and six and seven and eight year olds just acting like they've been doing it for years and reading off sponsors. It was, it was just a great time. But uh, i tell you what, I had the privilege uh, to sit next to me during dinner uh, was Derek Eshelman, Rick's son. So we spent the, spent the most of the evening together, man. We shared a lot of stories, great conversation, great memories of Rick. So, uh, and I got to say congratulations to Derek. He's uh, going to be getting married next year. Oh, so. nice. Yep. So, uh, but, uh, so we met his fiance and that had a nice time sitting there talking to Derek. It was really a nice evening. Good stuff, man. Well, I'm glad you're able to do that. And yeah, congratulations to all the champions that were honored and all those folks who were honored at the banquet. Hey, Hartford Speedway released their schedule. Now there was a little scuttlebutt on the internet about what Hartford Speedway was going to do for the 2023 season. There was speculation that they may become a specials only racetrack, but in their 10th season, Tim and Leah Dibble said, no, no, we're going full-time racing in 2023. They'll kick their season off and they've always done this, Rich. They don't mess around with trying to race in the wet and muck of April. They wait until May and that's when they're going to open things up is May 12th for opening night with UMP Modifieds. They're bringing the new division. Uh, if you miss this over the winter, they're bringing in Crown Vicks, which Rich Reno are very popular at pavement tracks all across Indiana. They're going to try to bring them up to Hartford Speedway. They'll have their cyber, stops, cyber stocks on hand as well. May 19th, the Great Lakes Super Sprints invade along with Modifieds, Crown Vicks, and Cybers. They'll have their first night of destruction on June 3rd. Non-wing sprint cars on June 9th. Back to the Great Lakes Super Sprints on June 16th. Midwest Dirt Compacts on June 23rd. They'll have their 4th of July celebration a week early on uh, June 30th. And then on uh, July 7th, Great Lakes Super Sprints are back. Friday, July 14th. The Dirt Car Summer Nationals UMP Hell Tour is in town with late models, modifieds, and cyber stocks. Another night of destruction on July 29th. Great Lakes Super Sprints return on August 11th and September 8th. Midwest Dirt Compacts, non-wing sprint cars also in there on September 22nd, along with something they're very excited about, a street stock invitational on September 22nd. And the 2023 calendar ends with a night of destruction September 30th. Uh, hard to believe Tim and Leah into their 10th season now at Hartford Speedway, but it is true. 2023 is here, and uh, they're excited and ready to go. I was surprised. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I've only been out there a couple of times, but I didn't know that the, boy, they have a strong sprint car presence this year. At least I'm, I don't know if they've done it in the past, but whether wing sprints or non-wing sprints, um, 
about three quarters of the season, you're going to see a sprint car at Hartford. Yeah, they've uh, you know they put on a good show out there. They've got multiple grooves. Turn three is tricky. It it, it, it turn three is tricky, and it accounts for some really good sprint car racing. So I'm excited, of course. Uh, you know, as as being a part with uh, GLSS, I love going there. Uh, the Dibbles are great. They've got a great facility, and uh, it's always uh, a lot of fun to go to Hartford. Well, they might be starting, you know, in May, Zach, but. M- my 2023 starts in about four days. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting ready. Uh, Thursday, I'm going to jump on the bird and head down to Cordell, Georgia for the kickoff of Champion Racing Association season at CRA Speed Fest 2023. Um, couple of local stars going down there, and I don't know. We have to be careful with calling this gentleman local. I know, I know. If you watch the, the Chili Bowl, Bowl he yeah. throws under the bus, right? I know. Carson Hosevar is going to be down there uh, kicking off his his 2023 pavement season. Anyway, here's, here's what I'll tell you: his entry form, his his entry on the entry list, it says Portage, Michigan. So we're going to continue to include him until he changes it on his entry forms. How's that? I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a hard time when I see him on on Friday. You absolutely uh, should. When I get down there, I'm going to go give him a you know hard what, time. You, what you, you know, don't come from Michigan anymore. You know what we should do? Horsepower Happening should buy him a Michigan flag. And give it to him at uh, at the Speed Fest this weekend. A U of M flag? No, 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 no. The flag? state of Michigan flag. That way, next time he has a driver intro, he's got one with him. Oh, maybe I can get to the store and find one and <laughs> shove it in my suitcase. <laughs> Say this is for you, so you remember where you came from. That's right. That's right. Think anyhow, you get a laugh out of, think you get a laugh out? I of think it? he would. Yeah, oh, it's all in good fun. So anyhow, yeah, go ahead, Rich. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, so Carson Hosovar is going to make his first pavement appearance in the ASA CRA 150 lap feature event. Katie Hettinger making her first appearance of 20, actually second appearance of 2023 in the Anthony Campy number 81 Pro Late model. Uh, she had a top five finish at the Red Eye over at New Smyrna a couple of weeks ago. So this field a little bit tougher. So uh, you know she we'll see what she's got there. And 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 the, I know New Smyrna is a little bit bigger, but uh, this track is tough to get around, Zach. Yeah. You've seen it. Uh, you really got to have a handling race car, and, and she's going to have she's going to have a chance to show off her skills down at Cordell. Uh, the defending champion from the ASA CRA Super Series side of Speed Fest is Bubba Pollard. He is also returning. Uh, also, notables running in the 150 lap event: Stephen Nassie, Casey Roderick, Corey Heim, your buddy Zach Williams Sawalich. Michael Hine, Jake Garcia, Gio Ruggiero, Matt Craig, and more. Zach, that's a stout field. I don't care where you go. Yeah, I like that right there. And I got to say, I am a William Swalich fan. We heard that he's going to make some truck series starts uh, coming up this summer, too. And I heard that I got pretty excited. Now, the Jag side of things, this is pretty good, right? You got some na- names. Uh, from uh, If you're from up here, you might not recognize all these names. Uh, you're absolutely going to recognize Steve Dorr, uh, of course, the uh, Coldwater, Michigan native. Dylan Fetcho, Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway champion. Does the name David Reagan mean anything to you? Uh, NASCAR Cup Series winner a couple of times. Uh, Michael Hind. How about Michael Hind? This kid, I love that race car. It's always sharp, and he's starting to come into his own, I think. Over these last couple of years, that 69 car has been very competitive. Well, he, he last year for a while he went out. He uh, was working, getting, having that car prepared out of the Stephen Nassie Racing Shop. Uh, left that deal, and it doesn't seem to hurt him. He come out this year a couple of weeks ago, like I said, uh, at the Red Eye, and picked up his first win already of 2023. So Michael Hind, and he's the defending champion of this event as well. 
So Michael Hine knows around knows how to get around Watermelon Capital Speedway. Uh, like you said, and then pulling double duty, uh, guys that are going to have 250 laps under their belt on Saturday, uh, Steve Dormhind and Nicholas Noggle, who kind of races out of the Van Dorn Racing Development Shop. Uh, he'll be down there pulling double duty as well. So, And then they're going to have Southern Outlaws, Bandoleros, uh, Legend Cars, uh, a big busy weekend down there. Uh, can't wait to get back on the pavement. Yeah, you're going to be down there in person, and uh, I've been commissioned to take it all in on Racing America, which I'm happy and excited to do. So uh, we've got a great weekend. Open practice on Thursday, which I don't think anybody – there's nothing public going on there. Uh, then a big day of practice capped off by qualifying Friday night, and then racing begins after uh, uh, an autograph session on Saturday. The green flag will wave at 1 o'clock local time, and uh, we'll have that tuned in on RacingAmerica.tv. Yeah, for some reason, it, it I don't mind the schedule. It looks like down there in Georgia, it's going to be in the 30s at night, so it's not going to bother me at all to be done racing by 6 or 6.30 <laughs> and on, have everything in on Friday and Saturday, uh, maybe before it gets dark, right? Yeah, so, man. Uh, That'll be nice. Hey, let's talk about something else going on up north here. Uh, we, of course, everything gets announced when? On Tuesday, after we've done the show. And, of course, that happened again last week. I messaged Chad Finley. I said, bro, you're a day late. And he goes, or I'm six days early. I said, okay, let's <laughs> yeah. let's take it that way. Uh, new Blockbuster event is now on the schedule for several Outlaw Super Late Model teams in Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Uh, it was announced Tuesday with a flyer attached to his personal Facebook page. Jeff Finley announced the inaugural Bob Finley Memorial, which will take place Wednesday, July 26th at Corrigan Oil Speedway. It'll run under the Reveal the Hammer sanctioning and features a massive payout over $35,000 in purse money for the feature alone is up for grabs in this race. It'll pay $6,767 to win. The number 67 represents uh, the year in which Bob Finley went out and began north side towing. So when I asked uh, Jeff about the purse, he said, I said, man, this is a substantial purse. He said, dad was a substantial guy. And so we wouldn't want to do it any other way. Uh, Wednesday night race doesn't want to compete with any other, you know, races that may be going on. It's right in the middle of everything. Uh, and so it's going to be great. Now, this is a great race. We're really happy and excited for Jeff. But what came out of this, Rich, was the news that Corrigan Oil Speedway will have one Outlaw Super Late Model Race in 2023. Now, that news is according to Reveal the Hammer uh, Operations Director Rich Messero. Uh, he says that when he called up the Hernleys and asked them about adding this race, uh, that uh, Tom told him that there was only going to be one Outlaw Super Late Model Race, and it'll be Wednesday, July 26th, the Bob Finley Memorial Race. So if uh, fans of Outlaw Racing want to see them at Corrigan Oil. They're going to have to come on July 26th in order to see that. Now, we reached out to the Hernleys about their schedule for 2023. They've yet to return that message, so obviously we haven't heard it straight from the horse's mouth, but a very significant source says, Rich, Outlaws only going to be at Corrigan once this year, and that's after they, uh, you know, went – That that's going from all in to nothing, uh, essentially, in 2023. That's a pretty yeah. big, That's a pretty big swing. I know, and I'm not get. I, I I'm still trying to grasp this. This is, and and even on dirt, it's this isn't pavement. Um, you know, other tracks are going partial schedules, and and I I don't know what the reason is behind it. They must know something that we don't. Um, you know, Springport Mid Michigan Speedway, they're going to run every other week, right? Right. On pavement, so they're going to basically run half a season, and and 
those drivers between Corgan Oil and Springport kind of share drivers, right? They go Friday and Saturday back and forth. So, yeah, I don't know. How, I, I don't know how all that's going to work out. Only thing I need to know is, is our buddy Chad Finley going to fight a one night ride for that race? Well, would you like to? Is he going to find a one night ride or is he going to dress up the rocket and bring it out? Well, would you like me to make your Monday night? Would you would you like would you like a little? Sure, event? make my Monday night. He texts me all the time and gives me a hard time. So let's Chad let's, let's Chad Finley on Wednesday, July twenty sixth will be behind the wheel of a Bob Blount uh, Outlaw Super Late model for the for the for the Bob Finley Memorial. He can never give me a hard time about being a pavement racer ever again. <laughs> the boy, he just can't stay away. He just can't stay away. He keeps coming back. It's like, you know. Like a magnet. Uh-huh. He keeps getting sucked right back in. Yep, yep. Uh, other drivers, fans can expect to uh, see in attendance two-time Reveal the Hammer champion Steve Needles, Kalamazoo Speedway champion Adam Terry, 12-time is expected to be there, four-time Clash winner Phil Bozell is expected to be there, and third-generation driver Bryce Bozell expected to be there in an Outlaw Super Late model on July 26th. And, of course, Trevor Berry, Justin Claudery, uh, uh, Jason Felver, and others expected to be there as well. Clardy. Yeah, see, I always get it one way or the other. I always get it wrong. Um, So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Looking forward to it. And happy for Jeff, too, right, to be able to put this race on to honor his dad. Oh, that's a midweek show. Guess who's going to be there, Zach? Uh, I'll be there. Me and you. (laughs) Me and you. We absolutely. We we shouldn't have any issues with that schedule. No, sir. We are going to be there for sure. Hey, let's talk about something else. Uh, More schedule news dropped right as we were doing the show tonight. Uh, An open letter posted by Gas City I-69 Speedway promoter Larry Boos announcing that the racetrack is taking responsibility for some shortcomings in the 2022 season. The letter reads, in part, a hasty change of promotional management was needed just prior to the green flag dropping on last year's campaign. This did not allow much preparation time for the new team and resulted in a less than stellar transition. We are aware of many of last season's downfalls and are prepared to address them as we move forward with 2023. Those include recognizing, honoring, and rewarding the 2022 champions, being better with social media networks, being better with their local telephone system, and announcing a 2023 schedule of events. Now here is where the announcement falls into the rumor mill that we had been hearing about, and it turns out to be true. Uh, The letter continues in part. Regarding the 2023 season, Gas City I-69 Speedway will shift away from a weekly Friday night format. This move was not taken lightly, and many factors were taken into consideration, all of which uh, can and will be Debated as to tradition, pros, cons, etc. Nonetheless, quality of racing will not be affected. They will continue to uh, get fans excited with excellent programming highlighted by non-wing sprint cars and multiple other divisions. In conclusion, the letter finishes uh, for the continuation of racing at Gas City I-69 Speedway. Our team appreciates your understanding and support. Please stay tuned as we move forward with the steps outlined above and then, of course, the electronic signature of Larry on the bottom of the letter. Now, what we had been hearing in the rumor mill is that Gas City may become a specials-only racetrack, which means when the gates are open, you are not going to want to miss the show that they're going to have down there at the racetrack. And again, Rich, plays into what we were just talking about, about these racetracks going to a part-time schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's just so strange how much of, you know, this offseason that we're seeing that, and, and we've never seen that before. You know, we've seen some tracks do it here and there, but uh, not at the level uh, that we're seeing in this offseason. So um, we'll have to see. Hopefully, 
they're not putting these special events on top of each other and they work with each other. So at least the dates that they are running, the fans can get out and, and travel and see some quality events. And Zach, uh, you know, it was kind of cool at the Michigan Auto Racing Fan Club banquet um, that Ron Flynn kind of got honored by the whole banquet for all of his years of service. Uh, they gave him a nice ovation uh, for his retirement. And now on the phone lines, we have one of the gentlemen that's going to be taking over and leading the reins. He's the general manager of the Crystal Motor Speedway, Brian LeBaron. Welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thanks for having me. A um, lot of some really big shoes to fill with, with Ron deciding uh, to step down, isn't it? Literally. Yeah. <laughs> if, you know, if you know Ron at 520 and a half, he has big shoes too. What, uh, you know, he put in a lot of work. He, I mean, he's been there, I heard, since the 70s. Um, what are you guys trying to do? And we, we, we talked, talked to the folks at Thunderbird, and they said, well, the first year, we're just trying to not screw it up. Is that kind of what you, your plan is uh, in 2023? Ron, Ron had a great business model and had an excellent show, and he's been doing it a long time. It's very successful. We have uh, not many plans of changing a whole lot. Mostly, most of any of the changes that we're, we're working on are more so a facelift for the property or the uh, facility. There are a lot of people who... As far as changing the shows, we're trying to keep the rules as similar as or the same. Most classes, as a matter of fact, will have no rule changes. That was one of the questions that we had on our Horsepower Happenings um, Facebook page today was people asking, uh, what what are we going to do? Are we still going to have you know the trucks? Are we still going to have mini wedges? Are we still going to have these divisions, uh, all these divisions that we're used to at Crystal? Uh, are you guys pretty much planning on bringing everything back? Definitely. Now, when you and I talked uh, on the phone, you uh, you were pretty fired up, man. I could hear the excitement in your voice uh, that afternoon that we talked for that written interview. And, you know, over 5,000 people have seen that on our website. So everybody else is fired up, too. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit, I guess, give us an introduction uh, to, to who the new team is at Crystal. Obviously, you'll be in the general manager role, but uh, there's more than just you involved with this. Yeah, yeah. My brother, Jacob, he is the uh, um, primary shareholder or the one of the owners of the track. And a childhood friend of ours, Steve Vernon, uh, we've known each other since we were kids, all three of us. And uh, this has been kind of maybe more so a dream of mine. Not that Jake's not a race fan, but getting involved with racing is always something I've seen in my future from the past. And things have kind of, the, the, the ball has kind of been rolling for 10 months now. We we got introduced to the possibility that it would be available at the uh, awards banquet last year in January. And I had mentioned it to my brother who is a successful businessman and has the opportunity to do a purchase of this nature. And so I shared some of the thoughts that were shared with me by the Flynn family and that this possibly might be happening. And we kicked it around a little bit that winter and being busy with, our kids play every sport. I coach baseball in high school. I'm the varsity coach at Ithaca. We both own businesses. We're fairly, uh, fairly busy people at times. So the last winter, it kind of got put on the back burner. And we came to opening night of the races last year. And my dad and I were standing on my 
on the back of my golf cart watching opening night, looking around thinking, boy, did we screw up or not? And we kind of, I brought that back to Jake's attention that this could be us tonight. Maybe we should look back into this and here we are. Now we, we, we've talked to a lot of promoters over the, over the years for sure. And, and we always, and, and Zach and I always had the question, you know, even well-oiled people in the racing industry, probably don't want to be promoters. Um, what makes you guys think that this is, uh, this is what you need and, and that you guys can handle it and make a go of it? I guess for me, I've always been involved in, uh, in management. My two best friends in high school, their dads both owned businesses, and I always looked up to them for that. And being that I've been coming to the racetrack, I think I started coming around 1975, and I'm 50 years old, so that tells you I was sleeping in the stands a lot when I was a youngster. <laughs> and and I've been a racer. I've owned race cars. I've promoted a couple of races. I used to put a street stock race on at Crystal Motor Speedway. I just always, the challenge of it is desirable to me. And I get along with everybody there. And I hope my wife doesn't listen to this broadcast, but <laughs> if I work there, she tell, can't tell me I can't go, right? Yeah, so, there, there you go. That, <laughs> that that might be one of the back burner reasons as long as she never hears this airing. You know, you talked about, too, uh, you, you mentioned all the years that you had gone to Crystal and uh, the, that, you know, you guys as a business had partnered up with Ron. Uh, but when we talked last week, um, you just couldn't say enough about the legacy and the uh, foundation work that Ron had built. And I loved how you, you when we, you and I were talking, I don't know if it made the article or not, but, you know, you, you mentioned we want to take that what Ron has done and, you know, kind of polish it with a little 2023 and see what we come up with at Crystal. And I think that's a great way to put that uh, because Ron did do such a great job. And now, uh, you know, kind of as his tenure comes to a close and uh, your guys' tenure begins, it's really interesting the possibilities that are available there with that racetrack. No doubt. Ron and I are friends. We've we've had business and friendship relationship for years. Uh, Jake and I, at one point in our lives growing up, lived in Crystal. So we are very familiar with the community, and we love it there. Uh, I, I, I get along with everybody at the track. And the product that Ron produced, a lot of people do know, a lot of people might not know, but there's only one promoter in the history of the state that has lasted longer than Ron, and that says a lot. I believe it was 32 years just at Crystal. Does that sound right? I yeah. think it was 32 years at Crystal and nearly 40 in total. Yeah, I think uh, according so to what Sue do that very often. Sorry about that. No, yeah, you're fine. No, I was just going to say, yeah, according to what Sue had said, I think you're right on. Is just you know around thirty at Crystal and uh, like forty three or forty four years uh, in promoting altogether. And so, I mean, that's you know we talked at the beginning of the show, big shoes to fill, quite literally. But I think uh, the excitement around you guys. This is the other thing too: the excitement and the support that your team is already receiving. You can see it on social media all over of people saying they're going to succeed. They're going to be just fine. Uh, we're really excited about the new things that are, that are on the horizon and excited about the things that are going to stay the same. Yeah. A couple of things there, you know, for one, you don't make it 32 years at the same track without being successful. Right. <laughs> I mean, most promoters, they, 
they do it three to five years and decide that's just too much. And I've heard Ron saying many times that it was never worked for him. He loved his, he loved his employees and he loved his patrons so much that it never seemed like a job. If you love what you're doing, you don't go to work every day. You go and have a good time with your buddies. Right. And so I think there's a lot to that statement where I feel very much so the same way. Most of those people in the pits I've created fantastic friendships with over the years. Um, and then adding to that, you bring in Jacob and Steve um, with the background they have. Steve, Steve has excelled in his accounting background and man, upper management in the health industry. And Jake is been in the service industry like myself for for 24 years so it's not like we're new to this but we're new to racing if that makes sense and because of that it has generated a new kind of buzz uh we we are nestled or we our home base would be the Ithaca area technically and I don't see a lot of people from our hometown area at the racetracks I see some but not as many as I would think and being that these two are involved in the background they have with athletics through the school system and that, I see a giant buzz being generated of a whole new clientele base on top of what he already had. So that's exciting when you look at it that way, too. Brian, I have to ask you, you know, and I'm going to lead Zach into his question here in a minute. I know that, but that's why I'm asking <laughs> this one. So. You, you guys there, you have a dedicated group of racers up there at Crystal that show up every single week. No doubt. Um, and, uh, you know, same thing, same thing as, as, as the Morelli, they have down in Thunderbird. Um, what, 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 div, what kind of traveling divisions are you, are you going to come in, bring in in 2023 to complement what you already have going up there? We have, I mean, we have nothing set in stone. We have hopes and dreams of many things that we want to do. What's that? We have the Great Lakes Super Sprints that come three times this year. I believe the Lightning Sprints are coming two times this year. The traditional sprints are making one trip there. We have the Open Modifieds Labor Day weekend. We have the uh, Outlaw Late Models, as they call them. You know, the late models with the big boards on the side. We have them Labor Day weekend. And we are opening to we are open to listening to anyone that has as uh, want or need to come and check out our facility. I mean, I mentioned earlier that there was a touring series that I have been in contact with, and for lack of good luck or bad luck, I don't want to re-mention that name until we have it solidified. But we are actively trying to get a national touring series to come to the track on a weekday when it's not competing with our locals or the local show and which would invite more cars, I think, to join that. And if we can make that all happen, that would be great. In order for that kind of stuff to happen, you have to be good at sales, just as good as promoting racing because the gates just don't produce the funding for some of these traveling series to pay the bills for them to come. So that's where I come in as my sales background is to try to sell the ability to bring in the national touring series for the first time ever, it's Crystal Motor Speedway. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just uh, uh, give a clue. Now, if you listen to our Gary, did you know program? You know that clues sometimes help, and so here's your clue. It's a riddle. Sometimes bringing in those summer national tours is hell. 
That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Is, you <laughs> yeah. know, sometimes that's the case. Uh, I appreciate that. We, <laughs> we're in business, and whenever you say something before it happens, it can be known as bad luck. That's so right. That's as bad right. as I want him to come here and as bad as they want to come here, we haven't signed the contract yet. So until then, I'll hold the excitement until we know for sure. Well, and I think even... But the, I can assure you I'm trying like crazy. Well, and I think even the fact that the talks are being had is 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 firing up race car drivers. I had a couple of messages after our article was put out of of people who were surprised to hear that the conversation was even being had. And so, Rich, I'll take the bait. The conversation is also being had about, you know, the future of late model racing at Crystal Motor Speedway. What is the rules going to look like for 2023? What's it going to look like for beyond? And I think, uh, you know, for you guys, probably the most important part is that you're open, you're listening, you're taking those phone calls, and, uh, you know, you're trying to do for you guys what's best, but also what's best for your race car drivers. I'll start by saying, you know, as a late model driver in the Midwest region, hearing that Ron had sold the track was probably what they felt like an opportunity to finally get their chance to run at Crystal Motor Speedway. Most people would consider it a destination as a racer. We have a different out, uh, outline or a different uh, type of track than a lot of places you go with the higher banking, and, and it's kind of in between the larger track and the smaller track. It's right in the middle somewhere. So we generate high speeds and great racing, and I think some of them guys really wanted to come there, and I fielded a lot of calls this winter over guys that were hoping that we may – change the tire rule to this or may not go this way or may go that way. And ultimately though, we have decided that we were going to remain on the American racer tire just out of loyalty to the people that have been loyal to us for 20 plus years. We averaged 26 late bottles on a Saturday night. So it's hard to alienate any of those guys that have been supporting us all this time to try to go a different route. And though it may have been lucrative at, at, at this moment, because of the change in leadership, we just decided that at this point in time, it might not be the best business decision for fear of alienating those that are loyal to us. Jake and I both and Steve, we have this, it's loyalty is huge to us in every facet of life, not just racing. And so we can appreciate the fact that they've been as loyal as they have. Let's talk now about that being said, go ahead. No, no, sorry. no, please, please finish your thought. I'm sorry. I was going to say a couple of rule changes that we are going to make to the late model class that I don't want to say will invite people in, but more so not deter them away is that we have raised the pay a little bit, not a lot, not a lot. We can't afford to a whole lot, but we made it more competitive. And we also are going to a draw redraw system this year. So instead of doing the points per race average, which all of our other classes will still be doing, the late models being a premium class, we thought that we would switch that to a draw, redraw, and give everybody the same opportunity to start towards the front or rear or vice versa uh, throughout the season. And that also may invite that guy that got rained out somewhere here or there to buy our tires and come and check us out. Because once they come and see what we have to offer, we're hoping that they'll want to return. And I'm that's the plan. 
I'm going to dive into a couple of uh, Facebook questions that we have here from uh, fans of Crystal and fans of Horsepower Happenings. Uh, I know you mentioned you're going to bring everything back. Uh, talk to me about this truck division at Crystal. It, it, it seems as though it's been hanging on by a thread for the last couple of years, and, and Brandon uh, wants to know if, if you think you'll be able to keep the truck class long term and uh, you know kind of what it's going to take to maybe build that class back up again. I mean, it's entirely, it's, I don't want to say it's up in the air, but it's up in the air. We started the season last year with only six or eight, 10 trucks a night. And being at Crystal, that just, that's just not good. We, our car counts are always 20 plus in every class. And so, but towards the end of the season last year, they started coming back out and we were seeing that 18 to 20 cars a night. So I think that's going to depend on the support of the class. As long as keep people keep supporting us, we'll keep supporting them. One of the uh, Jake. One of the other questions I'll just dive in here, and and I know you know I don't want to completely jeopardize your time with Facebook questions. This will be the last one. Uh, is and 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 I bring this up as well because it kind of has been a little bit of an Achilles heel for a couple of racetracks, not just Crystal, but uh, you know a couple of racetracks struggle with this, and that is uh, getting the show in on a timely manner, I guess is how you could say it, or expediting that show. Uh, Is that a concern for you guys? Is that one of your guys' goals to try to tackle this season? Most definitely. That is something that I noticed uh, while riding with Ron. Some of the nights, they ended pretty late, and if you have a family or if you've traveled any sort of distance, that makes it rough, makes it a long day. So one of the things that we decided to do this year is we're going to move the start time up to 7 o'clock from previously it was 7.30. And then it's my job to have the track ready to be raced on at 7 o'clock. Jake is very adamant that this show better be ready to go at 7 o'clock in zero seconds. I, I, have, another, I have another question for you, Brian, and kind of just going back to what you were talking about, you know, making, you said you made the decision to stay on American racers. And I don't know the answer to this. That's why I'm asking you. And, and and we've heard it twice now that, uh, you know, even at Thunderbird, they want to take care of the drivers that take care of them. Is, is that designed to make sure that you don't get a lot of the outside guy, the larger teams, and we don't have to say names, right? Because we know that they're just about everywhere they go. They're running on Hoosiers. I don't want to say that at all, but I, what I will say is that it's not a change for us. We've been on American racers. I couldn't even tell you how long ago it it predates me, I believe. So I think that goes back to the McCreary days. Uh, American racer used to be the McCreary tire. And I remember the late models back when I was a kid, even ran McCreary. So the tire change that was, it would have been new to us to go to the Hoosier tire. Truthfully. We've been on American racers all these years, so that n- nothing like that changes. To say that it rules out those folks coming, well, anybody that races a late model knows that it takes several tires a night if you run a Hoosier to run a race. So if you have to buy tires for this track or that track, I don't think it matters much if you're going to buy uh, a set of tires that's cheaper than what you normally would have to buy anyway. And they last three to six nights instead of one night. So I don't think that necessarily is 
the lack of inviting people. I don't, I don't want to say that at all. Some of those folks that called me of those uh, massive amounts of late model guys that did call me this winter, some of them actually asked us to keep on the same tire. So that really surprised me. Let's talk about from a fan standpoint. Uh, you did touch on it just a little bit, but uh, give the fans kind of a taste of some of the, I think you generalized it as a facelift. Um, what are some things that fans may notice when the gates open uh, in late April that you guys are hoping to have changed or is going to be progressing throughout the course of the season? I think one of the biggest things is we are excited for April 8th is our opening day. Technically, we have test and tune April 8th. And I believe with what Jake and Steve have planned with the facilities, I don't think a single person will pull in that driveway without saying, wow, these guys care. <laughs> That's great. Because we have been 10 days of cleaning the property. We have plans of building a few new things. As we discussed earlier, we, we're replacing all of the bleacher boards. I've ordered a bleacher board. Every single board will be replaced. Um, oh, Dr. Dirt is calling me. Wow. That's ironic. That's, ti- uh, we're, that's, we're that's replacing, timely. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys know who Dr. Dirt is. He is a track He is a track surface guru that I've been talking to out of California to, to improve our surface. So... Uh, just questions being new to this. I come from a landscaping background, so I called him to ask him if there are any tricks for the trade that we might not know here, if he could help me with knowledge. And ironically, he calls me during the radio interview. <laughs> so back to the track. Uh, I, I love that. That's uh, poetic. Now, i got to tell you, I didn't pay him to do that. I didn't pay him to do that, just so you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Um, really, the facilities and the surface are the number one one priorities for us. We just want to, and Ron had such a good thing that we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We just want to shine it up and make it nicer. Absolutely. Well, Brian, as uh, we close out here, I think one of the other things too is, you know, you you guys are so easily accessible uh, for the racer who, who has questions. So we don't need to cover that. But I think for the fans uh, to keep track of what they what is going on, obviously uh, schedule release is coming up on the horizon. You mentioned that last week. Um, yep. So yep. where where do folks go to kind of keep up with what everything, what all is going on uh, with Crystal Motor Speedway? Where's the best outlets for that? I don't, I don't mean to back up on you, but I did, I did have one one other thing I wanted to say about the fan part, please, is that we we plan on doing. We've all been to a Tigers game, and we may have been to a Lug Nuts or Loons or Whitecaps game. Also, when you go to a professional game, you see a fantastic product on the field. Yeah. When you go to a minor league game, you see a great product, but you also see much more fan interaction, and that's where we intend to do. We have plans. I mean, I'll say one thing. We have this thing that we came up with. We want to do more drawings, and we're going to do a thing called the Wheel of Winning. And fans will be able to come down on the front stretch and spin our wheel for a a prize every week. And the prize will range from a simple hot dog to maybe a big screen TV or a bicycle. Or we want to give away products that are worth giving away, and make that make that customer or fan or child or nephew, grandma, aunt, uncle, make them have a reason to want to come back and share it with us. So our program will be hopefully loaded with many discount deals. We'll have drawings every night. We're bringing the junior fan club back. 
which since COVID has kind of dissipated. And we always love that idea. So we want to make sure and bring that back also so that the fan fan interaction is just as much so as the racer interaction. All right, Brian. Well, very good. Uh, Facebook, website, those are some pretty key outlets, I think, probably uh, for fans to keep up with what's going on. Um, so I tell you, I'm excited. Uh, you know, it, we were there last year for the season opener, Rich and I were. Uh, so we know what that first race is like. And, uh, you know, with GLSS going to be there a couple of times, we'll get a chance to come back here in 2023. So I'm excited to meet you guys in person uh, and want to wish you on behalf of everybody here uh, good luck with, with this new adventure here in 2023. And, uh, you know, again, just like what we said with Thunderbird last week, we're excited to see how it all pans out for you guys. Hey, I appreciate the time. One last thing. Get your popcorn ready. It's showtime. <laughs> That's right, Brian. Cool, man. Hey, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good luck this season. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank you very much for uh, giving us this, this few minutes to kind of say some of the things we wanted to say in a giant format where all the racers will hear it. If anybody has any questions or anything, I'll take all the calls I can. We want to make this the best product we can, and the only way to do that is to listen to everybody that has something to point out. That's Brian LeBaron, the new general manager at Crystal Motor Speedway as they gear up for this upcoming season. Well, appreciate Brian and uh, the team making time to join us on Horsepower Happenings tonight. And, and Rich, I got to tell you, uh, we had, uh, let me see if I can find it here real quick to give you an accurate uh, number. We had over 5,000 people, uh, nearly 6,000 people now on our website reading about Crystal Motor Speedway. The excitement, the buzz, is there this is a big deal that ron flynn is not you know a part of that racetrack anymore again did great things laid a great foundation historic foundation for ron and his staff but uh, the lebarons now kind of taking over a well-oiled machine uh that they kind of want to just add some synthetic oil to it now and, and kind of see what they can shine up i tell you what people fans race car drivers they're all looking forward to uh, the gates opening in april yeah and and we you know, a couple new promoters this year that, that that usually doesn't happen. Maybe one every once in a while, but uh, some change over here in the state of Michigan. And, uh, you know, I think that's what you kind of have to do when you when, when you first get into it. You don't want to reinvent the wheel, especially when you've had something success, successful, such as Thunderbird and Crystal. Uh, they've both been around a long time and, and have their own successful uh, fans that are that are committed to going to those tracks and the drivers that come out and show up and put on the shows. So I'm looking forward to see how both of them do. Um, I think they'll have solid campaigns in 2023, uh, and then they can kind of get a season under their belt and see what they can do to maybe step it up a notch for 2024. Now, you and I here at Horsepower Happenings are not promoting the event, so we can clarify the blurred lines. Uh, conversations are being had with Crystal Motor Speedway and Sam Dreggers with, uh, with Dirt Car about bringing a Summer Nationals Hell Tour event to Crystal Motor Speedway, which would just give Michigan even more exposure. And so not only good for Crystal, but Rich, if they can pull that off, good for Michigan late models and, and, and late model fans. And that's kind of why I asked him the question about about the tires, because you know what you know what the Hell Tour is bringing. Right. Right. There's no secret there. So, uh, you know, and that's what I, I, obviously he didn't think that was much of a big deal. And if the conversations are that far, it must be not that much of a big deal to uh, to UMP as well, because um, or they wouldn't get in the door. Right. If they said, hey, this is what we're running. So, no, hope, hopefully that that would be real cool because, we, we you know, we've lost a few events here in 2023. 
So it'd be nice to see uh, another track up in mid-Michigan get one. Absolutely. All right. Uh, may this have been a record-setting week for responses to Gary Lindahl's Did You Know program. Holy smokes, a lot of people took a run at this one. Oh, man, I was almost buying a bunch of gifts. I came close. <laughs> I was, I, I, every, every one I read, I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my God. Well, a bunch of people had three of them, right? Yeah. I got to thank Gary for I got to thank Gary for question number two because he saved me. <laughs> yeah. Now we they, had do, do you know how many submissions we had? I, I see on our Facebook page uh, at least five answers on our Facebook page. And I know of one that we got via email as well. Yep, exactly. So I, I don't know what the number is, but the the last two months of quizzes have been very popular with Gary. So uh, Gary's starting to find his mojo, I guess. But uh, let, let's get into this. Let's give the answers, right? Sure. So we had sev- several people this week uh, get three out of four correct. Some Somebody, A.J. Bunch, right, Had he got three correct and didn't guess at the fourth one. He didn't even guess at it. So uh, kind of say, I think he might have saved me there, a little bit of research. He might have been able to get the last one. But let's now, start out. Now, I will say, A.J. did comment back on this post four hours ago. And filled in the fourth one. So I don't know if he's took from other people's answers and put it on there. Rich, you're going to have to be the judge of character on this one and see if AJ's going to pick up a prize or not. But let's go through them and we'll talk about this. Well, they're going to have to listen because I'm going to break their hearts. All right. All right. So and we're going to be fun with this because we're going to do the one that they all didn't answer or we're going to do it last. All right. That's great. So, so we're going to go question number one. We kind of I, and, and we we thought some a lot of people would get this one just because it was. You know, a little bit of a teaser. You could pay for your thoughts with this open-wheel driver. Yeah, the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Famer. Uh, you can find his bio online, and that's, of course, uh, Neil Penny. Yep, Neil Penny. So, And everybody got that. Everybody that guessed it got that one, I think, except for – I think we had one that, that didn't guess that one. So we're going to skip question number two. We're going to go to question number three. Hall of Fame photographer Tom DeVette got his start at a track that could toast his accomplishments. I thought I love when Gary does a play on words. Now, somebody guessed uh, the way that I would have. Patrick said Berlin, and that would have been my guess as well for for uh, for him because he's so involved with that racetrack now. But it's not the case. Nope. Uh, and and I think we I think he had a I think back early Gary had a question that this was the answer to, but he I think you're right. You know, earlier, but it, it was a different thing. But the answer was Whiskey Ridge Speedway. Whiskey Ridge Speedway. A lot of folks got that one right. Yep, absolutely. Now, question number four. Everybody that I saw, I think, got this one right. They called this driver stinking, and it didn't bother him. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, 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 I would not have got this one, but I love the play. Well, everybody else is smarter than we are. It was stinking Lincoln Hall. Lincoln Hall and Marty was said, the driver. Marty commented on there and said that he's uh, from not far from me up in Jackson. So uh, that's pretty cool. All right. Now let's go back to the one where everybody guessed somebody different, but it wasn't right. So at least where Gary was going with this. Maybe you can figure out why when I give you the answer. This late model driver was an original lucky dog. And I even asked Gary last week when he said that, I said, what's the reference to? And he couldn't. He well, if you'd have seen him, you'd have known. That's what Gary said, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you fill in the blanks now? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I can tell you the answer was Harry Foot Jr. Harry Foot Jr. was the answer to question number two. And nobody guessed that one right. 
I don't. I would like. I want to know the connection between an original Lucky Dog and Harry Foot Jr. Okay, so when Gary comes on for his February quiz, we'll have to ask him and tell us. We'll have to remember to make now him we, tell us. Now we gave the answers out. That's right. So I, wanna, I mean, did he have a hot dog on the side of his car? Yeah, I, don't I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Cool. Well, hey, good so stuff. We'll figure it out. Do you want to say thanks to everybody who played along? A uh, lot of answers this week. Uh, you know, like I said, had six or so, half a dozen people uh, reach out with their uh, potential answers. Of course, Gary, did you know, will return, as Rich mentioned, next month. What is that, the third show of the month? Is that when we do that? You know the schedule third better week. than I do. Third, yeah, so third, third week. Of the month, yep. So you'll be looking at February 20th uh, will be our next opportunity we'll, with a, another shot, another run at Gary Did You Know. Okay, time for our second interview of the night now, and it's time for us to uh, head to the east just a little bit. We're getting closer to Rich France territory with our next guest. Uh, this driver makes his home in Adrian, Michigan. Just had a 16th birthday. It's our pleasure to welcome in Darren Nida onto Horsepower Happenings. Darren, good evening. Welcome in. Hi, how are you guys? Doing good, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I know it's been a crazy, man, what's it been? About a month probably for you. Uh, do you even remember what the state of Michigan is like, what Adrian's like, what your home is like? I mean, man, uh, between the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl Nationals, you've been you've been gone for a while, haven't you? Yeah, it's been uh, pretty crazy here uh, the past past month or so. I've, uh, I've been gone more than I've been home, so it's... Uh, it's definitely nice to be home for a little while now. Let's back all the way up. Uh, let's start with the Tulsa shootout. Um, I know that there toward the end of, of 2022, weren't even sure that you were really going to have an opportunity to uh, to go out to Tulsa for the shootout anyhow. Um, but, man, you have a great resume out there at that racetrack with the Tulsa shootout. Talk to me about the deal that came up for you and, and the opportunity to go out there again this year. Yeah, so it was all, it was all really last minute. I mean, we didn't – or at least I didn't uh, know that I was going to be headed out to shoot out in the beginning of December. And then to have two really good opportunities with really great teams between uh, JWDs and racing and uh, the, the KJM team. I uh, had a lot of fun and just uh, was really surprised to get the, get the call from both of those teams and have the great opportunity to get out, get out there. So you guys go out there for the Tulsa shootout. Uh, kind of recap how things went for you. I know with the Chili Bowl that whole week, kind of afterward, it kind of you know probably is behind you a little bit. But uh, for the fans who maybe missed it, kind of recap your experience for this year's shootout. Yeah, it was it was a really good year at shootout. It was it's always tough in that building. I mean, there's only there's over fifteen hundred entries. Um, so to even to make make a B main or make a C main a, a big accomplishment out there. Um, and the outlaw division with the, with a Avedesian racing car, I, uh, we struggled all week, uh, and just never really had the speed that we felt like we needed just locked forward drive. And, and I made some mistakes and we made some mistakes on the setup side and, um, just never really felt like we were where we needed to be in that car. But, in the, uh, in the KJM 48, I felt really good right from the start. Uh, all the guys, Colt Smith, uh, Chris Burton, and Kurt Butcher uh, all had me really good in that one. Um, and then on wing class, we went from the back of the C main after not having the heat race that we needed. I went from the back of the C main and transferred out of that. And then uh, I thought we made a pretty good run through through the B main, uh, came from the back and, and ended up seventh, uh, just a few spots out on a, on a really fast racetrack. Um, and then the wing division, we were we were just one spot out of making it, so uh, that one stung a little bit. But um, 
Colt Smith gave me a really car, really good car all week, and uh, I was just really happy with with how the week went. Before we get into the Chili Bowl Nationals, I just got to ask you, you, you know, you said you're on the road for quite a while and, and more than you were home. When you're going from looking at 1,500 race cars to over 400 of the Chili Bowl, is the last thing you want to do for a while is see a darn race car? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of race cars down there, um, and it's a, it's a crazy fun atmosphere. It's, it's crazy seeing all the people that come into that building, both for shootout and the Chili Bowl. Um, but the week in between is nice just to, just to get away for a little while, just to get out of the fumes and, and settle down for a little bit and uh, almost just get ready to go back out there. Did you guys stay out there for that week? No, we, we came home in between. We, uh, we drove back su- Sunday after, after the shootout and then, then flew back down Friday night. So we were home for, for just over five days in between the two. Man, man, that's big time right there. Uh, that's a lot of travel for a lot of racing. Um, all right, so let's now move on to Chili Bowl, uh, Chili Bowl Nationals for you. What an opportunity, man. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked with your teammate on this show several times, uh, the seven-time USAC champion with Cody Swanson. Uh, I guess, first of all, talk about teaming up with him. It was uh, through Binks Motorsports, is that right? Yeah, Dan Binks and Binks Motorsports gave me a – Gave me a great opportunity to go out there and down for the Chili Bowl. Um, it was my first time in a midget, so um, I was surprised to get the call from him to uh, to go down there and run that, uh, especially not being in a midget before. But right from the very beginning, Dan said that he wanted a really experienced driver and uh, somebody that was that was new to the midget and um, that hadn't had a lot of experience in that yet, um, just to get the best feedback he could um, with him never running any midget races before. And then, then working with Cody was, I felt like was really huge for me. Um, He had, he has so much experience just in all sorts of kind, all sorts of race cars and to uh, to have someone like that to lean on and to bounce ideas off of and, and just talk to and get advice from is huge for me. Darren, you know, Zach and I kind of tease each other, you know, I, I, try to catch as much of it uh, through all the prelim nights at the Chili Bowl and before we even get to the soup, right? And and it's funny because Zach and I talk about, uh, nope, I just can't sit there for 40 hours a week muddling through this. But I would I made it a point to catch your prelim night, and, man, you had a heck of a start, didn't you? Yeah, it went, it went really good right from the very beginning. I was, I was super nervous going in just because – never racing a midget before. And then the pressure that's on you in that building is just insane. Um, but to go out and hot laps and be really fast and really comfortable right off the bat, uh, made everything a lot easier. Um, then we struggled a little bit in our heat race. I, uh, we moved forward, which is something you always need to do in that building. Um, which made me happy, but I felt like we were just still leaving something on the table. And then we went out in the qualifier and in, in my opinion, had one of the one of the hardest qualifiers all week just with with the competition that was in that. And I felt like I was really good. I felt like Justin and and Dave and Kevin and Dan, they all had me really good. Um, and I ran – I felt like to mix it up with guys like uh, Jonathan Beeson and Chance Crum, you got to be you got to be at the top of your game. And I felt like we were just as fast as those guys. And then to, uh, to make the show out of the B-Main was – it was pretty big for me. Yeah, I mean, again, as you mentioned, this is your first – chili bowl you make the prelim show and i mean this is just i mean 
How do you put this into perspective for you, 16 years old, right, trying to make a name for yourself? Uh, you know, you've got that great last name with you in our region, uh, but now trying to do something nationally. I mean, to make your prelim feature alone in your first go of things, you got to be wicked proud of, of, of what you guys were able to accomplish. Yeah, I was super happy with it. Um, for me, never running a midget before, and then to go out there with a team that's never run any dirt midget races at all um, was huge. And then Dan coming from the coming from the road course background and the Doran Racing guys and Cody doing majority of pavement stuff. Obviously, Cody does the dirt silver crown stuff and a little bit of sprint car stuff here and there. But for the most part, those guys are all all in on the pavement stuff. And to go out there with a team that's never run any dirt before and uh, never ran any dirt midgets before it was just it was huge and i i don't really have the words to to sum it up and Darren, like you said i thought you were running very well too and then you you know what can happen wrong place wrong time and now and and that kind of puts you back um you know for when you go into the soup you're running an e i think is where you started um you just didn't need that uh that late on did you no i mean you never really in any race and you never want to get caught up in anything. You always want to be, be in contention for it. And, uh, I felt like we had a really good car. I felt like, um, Justin Grant and, uh, Cody helped me all night long. Um, and then Kevin and, and Dave Doran had me really good going into the, into the prelim feature. And I felt like we had a car to at least be competitive and at least be close to running top 10 and be in a B main or a C main. Um, but, it just didn't work out how I needed it to, and then we, we got caught back in that E-Main. Talk to me from your perspective about working with Cody. Uh, I've obviously, we've, we've you know, Rich and I have run into him several times in the pits, and he's such a good guy and a nice guy and so damn talented behind the wheel. Uh, what was that week like getting to uh, kind of work with him? Did you get a chance to talk to him much? Uh, obviously, he had that race of champions night to kind of give him a little uh, preview of what things were going to be like. Um, or and, and maybe even, too, I'm wondering, was he leaning on you at all on what maybe you could bring to the table with your dirt sprint car experience with these midgets and and i guess just what was that work week like with that seven-time champ yeah it was it was awesome to work with cody i felt like we we communicated a lot and i bounced some ideas off of him and we just he hadn't run a lot of dirt midget stuff and i hadn't run any at all so we were just kind of going at it together and to have he's one of the nicest guys in the pit area um and to have him on, on my side was huge. You know, there was another driver uh, out there with you guys from Michigan uh, that uh, you had a chance to race against. Of course, we're talking about Steve Irwin uh, and, you know, how cool that was to get a to chance to race with family. What was that like for you? Obviously, you guys weren't on the same team, but family's family. So what was that experience like? Did you guys get a chance to see each other very much out there? Yeah, uh, we went to we went to dinner one night and then um, – we had the same prelim night and we were in the same heat race and the same qualifier. We, uh, we weren't really lined up very close to each other. So I didn't, I didn't get to race with him a whole lot, but it was, it was cool to go in that, into that with my uncle. Um, and I, uh, us both being rookies. So you get back, you get done with the chili bowl, you come back. What's the first thing you want to do? Sleep for about a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously so worn out from the week, but I, uh, I had so much fun in the mid and I was just, it's all I've been all I've been thinking about is just when I can get back behind the wheel of a midget. Um, 
they're so much fun to drive. And I feel like between the micro sprint and the sprint car, it's like, it's almost like a perfect combination of the two. You, you got a lot of handling of the, of the micro, but you still have to have to work the brake and work the throttle a lot like the sprint car. So, um, I just, I love midgets. They're so much fun. And I, uh, I really want to get back in one. Uh, before we leave the Chili Bowl completely, uh, I, I guess, uh, unfortunately, tasked with a tough question for you. Uh, one of the scariest things anybody's ever seen in motorsports took place that week of the Chili Bowl. Uh, were you still in the building when Ashton's accident occurred? And uh, kind of take us inside there in the building when that happened. You know, obviously, Ashton's doing great. And it's, uh, you know, thank God for that because it was, you know, anybody who saw it live, one of the scariest things we've ever seen in motorsports in quite some time. What was the what was the feeling like? What was the atmosphere uh, like inside that building when that happened, and even afterward, right? They decide to run a feature, and then the night still, you know, has to play out after that situation and into the next morning. Kind of how were those, you know, I guess uh, 12, 12 to fifteen hours? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the scariest things I've ever seen it happen in person. It's uh it's terrible. You don't want that to happen to anybody. Um, and I saw that whole thing unfold with my own eyes. I was uh sitting up in the bleachers and just to see that happen is probably the scariest thing I've ever seen. Um, and it's terrible and it's, it's great that he's back to, back to doing at least somewhat okay now and, uh, healing and getting better. Um, but just the energy in that building went from like not even 20 minutes earlier. It was like the biggest party in the world to just nothing. It was like, it was crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, and, and I guess, too, right, then you, you start talking about, and, and they talked about this on Flow, how the heck you guys strap back into a race car after seeing something like that. And it's just, you know, as Rich and I, former racers as well, right, it's just something you do, right? You know that it's possible that you could get hurt in these things, but damn it, we're race car drivers when we go out there and do it. Is that is that kind of how you looked at the situation? I know you and Ashton are very close in age as well. Yeah, I've, uh, I've known Ashton. I got to know Ashton a little bit. Um, I talked to him a couple of times, um, but it's part of it. it things like that are going to happen. And, and it, it shook me pretty good. Um, and, and Justin pulled me to the side and talked to me about it for a minute um, and really helped calm me down. And, but it's, you sign the waiver when you get into the pits every night. Um, and before you go out on the racetrack, it's, it's part of it. And as a race car driver, you know, the risks that you're taking, um, so you just, you obviously try and prevent these kind of things from happening, but and as a driver, you almost have to try and move past it. Darren, now talk to me about what we got coming up, 2023. Um, let's talk about your plans. What do you got locked in uh, to kick off the season? Yeah, so we're uh, we're going to do a lot of sprint car stuff again this year. Obviously, make our make our trips to Attica and Fremont. Uh, our fair share of trips over there and um i'll be with the age with me being 16 now we can we're free to do what we'd like for the most part and uh probably make a couple all-star starts here and there um try and do try and do that weekend in michigan uh just with them being so close and uh maybe make an out, outlaw start or two just do a lot with the with the afcs stuff and then some some stuff with the fast series um, just mainly in Ohio and Indiana, um, and maybe try and make a trip out to Pennsylvania if we can make it work. Um, just really build off what we did last year and try and 
try and get out more and try and do some more traveling. Talk to me about running that AFCS. Uh, am I saying that right? Attica Fremont Sprint Car Series. Am I? Cl- I'm, I'm close there, right? Uh, anyhow, the Attica Fremont Sprints. Uh, that was pretty much what you guys did last year. Uh, talk to me about how that went uh, and uh, kind of, you know, if it met expectations or if, you know, I, I guess just how last year went for you. Yeah, it went, it went really good. I mean, Dwayne Hancock has built a built a great series there between those two racetracks and. Um, my goal going in was to try and get um, rookie of the year with the AFCS series and then at Attica and at Fremont. Um, and to accomplish that, uh, it's, it's nothing easy. So uh, it took a lot of work and it took a lot of improving throughout the season. Um, but to accomplish that was, was pretty big for me. Um, you obviously want to go out and win races, but with it being so competitive and, and just the Ohio sprint car scene, it's it's tough to do that. So we're just trying to, trying to build off what we did last year um and i felt really good about how how last year went and i was happy with it um just our goal was to get better all year and i felt like we did that what's the uh what's the plans are you uh driving a house car for the family or are you driving for someone uh what what's that look like this year um right now the plan is just to do the family car i'm uh i'm always looking for opportunities whether it's in a sprint car or a midget, or a 410 sprint car, or a 360, because um, we're we're a little bit limited on on our budget, and we're always looking looking for partners uh, just so we can do more. Because uh, at this point in my career, I'm trying I'm trying to get myself out there as much as I can, and I'm trying to do as much races as racing as I as I can to to get myself out there. Um, and with the family car, we're limited a little bit. Um, so right now, that's all I have. All I have going on is some some sprint car stuff with a family car, um, and trying to work some other stuff out to to get out more. You guys teased a sponsorship announcement. Haven't seen anything yet. Are you guys close to, to being able to announce what you got going on? Yeah, we're we're close to being able to announce something. We'll hopefully hopefully have something by the end of this week. I'm another partner for 2023. Um, just got to work out a couple more little things, and uh, hopefully hopefully have something good. I want to, speaking of marketing partners, and Rich, I don't know if you have anything, but I'll get back to you real quick. Uh, with Binks Motorsports at the Chili Bowl, I mean, you're representing champion spark plugs out there. Uh, obviously a national brand, a national name, everybody knows. Uh, talk to me about that. Do you feel any pressure with that and Binks and everything, you know, with, with that uh, great big sponsor on the side of that three machine? Uh, what was that like? I mean, it was, you know, and then, you know, all the other marketing partners that Binks has as well. I know that you're, even at 16, such a great professional as a race car driver, but still pretty cool to be able to represent a national brand like that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was great to see, to see champion on a race car again. Um, they, uh, Dan did a good job with just keeping me calm and, uh, keeping it kind of low key. Um, champion was a huge help out out there and it was uh it was great to partner with them and and mike proud was a was a huge help in that <coughs> um i just gotta thank thank champion for coming on board for that and, and dan for giving me the opportunity again and i really gotta thank susarski excavating and paving and um and toxic waste candy for for coming on board and uh allowing me to go out there 
I love that name of a candy company as well. Toxic Waste. When I saw that, and I saw you guys promoting that, I thought, what in the world are they doing out there in Tulsa? Uh, what a cool, that's a really cool candy company, man. How is it? I know you I know you had some, especially with your birthday week. Yeah, it's, it's sour. It'll get you. Um, if you. If you haven't tried some yet, I, I encourage you to go get some. It's, uh, it's really good. I love it. Um, stuff tastes really good. It's it's super sour, so you gotta <laughs> you gotta be a little careful with that. You gotta but, be ready uh, for it. I definitely ate a lot of it. I gotta ask you, dear. I know you're. I know you're still young, and this is probably way too early to ask this question. But it seems like you're just kind of doing everything in your career. What, what do you want to do? Where? How far do you want to take this? Uh, you just want to go get to the point where you can um, just go big time sprint car racing as much as you can on a higher level. Yeah, I mean, my goal as a race car driver is just to to get to a point to where I can do it for a living and provide for my family. I mean, um, I mean that I don't really care what kind of race car it's in, as long as I'm driving race cars and and still doing it, I'll always be happy. You mentioned that when you got home, you couldn't wait to get back behind the wheel of a midget. Are are you pursuing any opportunities? Uh, or, or I mean, obviously you mentioned just a few moments ago you're open to any opportunities, but Darren, are you looking for a chance to maybe hit some more, you know, either USAC or what have you, sanction doesn't really matter, midget races this summer? Yeah, I mean, I've always been, been looking to get into a midget again, and uh, I don't have anything in the works right now to get in a midget. Um, hopefully I get another another opportunity to, to get back behind the wheel of one of those and just just go out and do it again, but I'm always I'm always open to the opportunity, and I'm always I'm always interested in finding something to go out and do midget racing. I bet you just can't wait to get on a racetrack that's bigger than a basketball court, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like those tight little bull rings. They're a lot of fun. It's uh, you don't get going uh, crazy fast, but you just you don't get going fast. But inside the race car, it feels like you're going crazy fast, just because. You're down the you're down the straightaway in the blink of an eye. It's it's almost like like fighter jets in a gymnasium. Yeah, 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 man. Well, hey, I uh, do want to say thank you for joining us. Uh, really was cool. You know, you were the highest finishing uh, unofficially. This is what we had that you were the highest finishing driver from Michigan uh, with your E main finish. I know that's not where you wanted your night to end, but. Uh, still a great accomplishment, great representation for uh, the talent here in Michigan. So congratulations on that. And, man, congratulations on getting a chance to go out there and even run the Chili Bowl. I think it's fantastic. You make the show on your prelim night. That's a big deal. And uh, I'm sure that this isn't going to be the last time we see you behind the wheel of a midget. So, Darren Nida, congratulations, man. Great run. Good stuff this winter. And, and I know you got a lot of folks, a lot of fans, looking forward to seeing what you got going on this summer. So we're eager eager to get to a racetrack and see you see you perform. And I'm really interested to see who you got to sign with you this, this summer. I know it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, thanks Thanks to you guys for having me on the show. And uh, before I go here, I really just got to thank Mike Proud and Champion again for uh, for sponsoring our trip out there. And I got to thank Dan Binks for the opportunity. Um, and I really got to thank all our partners on the Sprint Car side. I got to thank Zarski Excavating and Paving. I got to thank uh, Hills Racing and Townline Variety. Uh, I got to thank Patrick Poor and Poor Racing and uh, Ackland Insurance for, uh, for all their continued support in 2023. And uh, excited to do some more racing. All right, that's Darren Knight, uh, fresh off of a trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Looking forward to what's to come here in 2023. Well, Rich, uh, this kid, as you mentioned, uh, Darren Knight, that last name synonymous with sprint car racing in our area. Uh, running that AFCS thing, 
a couple of maybe teasers for the All-Stars this, uh, this summer. I think we're going to start to see him branch out a little bit more here over the next couple of seasons. Now that he's starting to get comfortable with that 410 sprint car, went out and ran a midget, ran against some of the nation's best out there in Tulsa. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of see where this, where this goes for that 16-year-old. You know, Zach, you and I have been down to Attica for a, for a, you know, a late model race and on the same, and those sprint cars, that's a competitive field that he's racing against down there. So, uh, you know, that's, that's not just going to another small track and, and trying to take people's money. He's running events against some of the best 410 sprint car drivers in our region, uh, down there at Attica. So, and, and some of those guys travel away. They come there from Pennsylvania, uh, Kentucky, they drive, they, you know, Indiana, they'll drive over there to race. So he will definitely get his experience between Fremont and Attica for sure. All right, let's take a look at our upcoming calendar here on Horsepower Happenings. It's at this time every week. Uh, and as the race season gets a little bit closer and things get uh, ramping up a little bit more, this will be the time in the week where Rich and I uh, highlight some of the events that are key on our radar that you may not want to miss. And Rich, of course, for you, this week's easy because uh, you're hopping on a bird here coming up in a couple of days. Yep. Uh, as we stated earlier, we, did, we didn't get into the specifics, but we just talked about the entries and, and who was going to be down there. But Speedfest 2023 on tap this weekend. Uh, it's the season opener for Champion Racing Association at Watermelon Capital Speedway in Cordial, Georgia. Uh, Speedfest 2023 will consist of a $10,000 to win co-sanctioned ASA CRA Super Series and ASA Southern Super Series event. 150 laps for the super late models, non-points. Uh, the Jag Serie All-Stars Tour presented by the Chevrolet Performance in a non-points 100-lap pro late model event. And then, as we said, in addition, the Southern Outlaws will stage a 50-lap feature. The Legend Cars, a 20-lap feature. And the Bandoleros, a 15-lap feature event. More information on this event this weekend can be found at uh, cra-racing.com. And if you can't make it down there, you don't want to take a road trip, Racing America will have full coverage on Saturday afternoon. All feature events live if you can't make the trip. Features kick off Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time on Racing America. Yeah, and then as we mentioned, uh, the Winter Nationals down in Florida continue with Speed Weeks. Uh, Is it officially Speed Weeks yet? I don't know. It seems like it starts earlier and earlier every single year. Uh, But they'll have action at East Bay Raceway Park this week with crate lates. Um, And, uh, of course, all that action continues through the month of February. Uh, If you're you're like, okay, where's the big races? Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series will unload on February 5th. All-Star Circuit of Champions expected to be down there for the uh, February 13th and 14th, and then 360 sprint cars February 15th through the 18th. And we understand there are a number of guys from our area who will be going down there for the 360 Winter Nationals at East Bay Raceway Park. So looking forward to those dates coming up. Yeah, really. I mean, look on the racing side. There are so many Speed Weeks events throughout the state of Florida uh, and Georgia. It's hard for us to even keep up with them. That would be a show on its own if we were just going to go through all of them. But, uh, you know, yeah, check Speed Sport Racing America. You can, you know, uh, the, the websites for Lucas Oil and World of Outlaws. They'll have all of that stuff in all the dates. And, um, you know, they're going to be on either Dirt Vision or Flow Racing all month long if you can't make it down to Florida. That's right. And uh, that Flow, Lace, Fro, Fro, oof, Flow Racing subscription comes in handy right about this time of year. So uh, really looking forward to that. And Racing America, too. And they get that going. Racing America one. Yeah, well. so that's get, right. You got all three of those. You don't need to watch anything else for February but racing, right? I've got two screens in my office, a laptop, and a cell phone. I think somehow 
I'll manage to keep up with everything that's going on down there. <laughs> hey, that's going to do it for our program tonight. I want to say thanks to Brian LeBaron. And, of course, uh, his his uh, owners were in the background helping him out with uh, the interview. I want to say thanks to them as well for kind of helping him along. And uh, say thanks to Darren Nida for making time to join us tonight. Uh, coming up next week, of course, we'll have uh, highlights and uh, in-person interviews from what happened down at SpeedFest. Uh, at Cordial, Georgia. Also coming up next week, uh, we'll get a chance to talk even more about what's to come in 2023 from your area racetracks and your area promoters. Uh, we have a laundry list of folks who have said, hey, let me come on your show and talk about what we got going on. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be working our way through that. Also, next week is the final episode of season four of Horsepower Happenings as we get ready to go into, can you believe this, our fifth season of Horsepower Happenings will kick off on February 6th. Can't believe it. I didn't know we were going to make it three weeks. Zach and I are now three years together going on number four. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so there you go. All right, that's going to do it for Horsepower Happenings. Again, thanks to Brian. Thanks to Darren. Thank you to Rich France, of course, who does all the ends and uh, the odds and ends things with Horsepower Happenings. Scott Mendeman keeps the bills paid. I'm Zach Heiser. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.